0: and welcome to the ALC Pan-African Radio's discussion program the discussion program brings together experts to reflect on a variety of current security issues facing Africa at local national and international levels. Nigeria's president-elect Muhammad U Buhari is set to be sworn into office for the second time following his victory against his arch-rival and former vice president Atiku Abubakar in the closely contested presidential elections that attracted 73 candidates. In this discussion program, Desmond Davis engages Dr. Wale Ismail. A senior research fellow at the African Leadership Center, and Adiwali Ajadi, author, consultant, and leadership expert from Nigeria. The panelists discussed dynamics and complexities of the just concluded presidential elections in Africa's most populous country and how the process fared amidst ethnic and religious polarization and external influences. Desmond Davis asks the experts: What does Nigeria's electoral experience mean for the country and for Africa's democratic process in general?
1: Hello, and welcome uh, to the ALC discussion program. My name is Desmond Davis. On the line in uh, Lagos is Adewale Adaji, a creative consultant and leadership expert. And in the studio is Dr. Wale Ismail, a senior research fellow at the ALC. Uh, Adiwale in uh, Lagos, what did you make of the outcome of the recent elections in Nigeria where people thought that uh, President Buhari would
2: lose? I don't know who thought President Buhari would lose, but those of us on the ground know that President Buhari has consistently over the two two or three election cycles had a minimum of 12 million voters who really believe in him and he's been consistent about it. The second thing is that President Buhari, has, of all the leaders we've had in Nigeria, a brand that is untarnished and its character is solid. So it's very difficult to see how those who themselves move from party to party and seem to um, seek ways to position themselves, not on their character, will win an election that seems to be essentially about character. So I, I, I don't know where the notion that I would lose comes from. And and actually consistent, is the most consistent um, person, in op- even in opposition, of pulling together
3: the numbers that he's been pulling. W-
1: Wale Ismail, do you agree with
3: uh, his analysis? Yes, uh, likely uh, in agreement. Uh, but I would say that I was privy to to, to conversations, to see a few report that either predicted the election would be closed or that even Atiku might win. Um, and at the time, I, I was of the view that it was highly impossible that Atiku was ever going to win and that the election would not be closed. I think I was at a closed-up briefing of high-level uh, policy people in London discussing the posi- you know, potential outcomes of the election. Some two weeks before the election, and well, I mean the event took place under that Chatham House, so I can't mention names. Yes. But a very high-ranking person at the meeting, you know, said that the election was going to be very close, and I disagreed. I said I don't think the election will be close, but that if if I told it to be close, it will not be too close. That was the conclusion I, I gave, and I. On the eve of the election, I did some number crunching with a colleague using our own model. And we predicted that Buari would win by at least 3 million votes, between 3 to 5 million. So um, those of us, and those who know Nigeria's political history, who know the political landscape, Would know that apart from Buari being a brand, sometimes people joke in Nigeria that Buari himself is a political party on its own, (laughs) that, you know, the name itself is a political party. Uh, And you can see how defining that personal character that uh, my brother Wali Ajari was, you know, was talking about. If you look at the presidential poll and the other elections, elections for national legislators, election for state governors, you will see that for the very first time in Nigeria what difference a particular individual makes. The result Buari got there were in some states, in some places, the result that Buari got his party or the other candidates in his party running for other uh, elective office got something the complete opposite of what Buari got. We've had cases where Buari and the party won the presidential election but lost the governorship election.
1: But uh, Adewale in Lagos. So, what you're saying is that uh, no new political forces will uh, emerge in Nigeria if you have these two old guys, Atiku and uh, Buharu, contesting. Because we had Kinkli Mohalu and Obi Ezikwilizi, and both of them pulled out or they didn't perform well. So, I mean, is that what's going to happen I, in the future? I,
2: I, I, don't know, I don't know why you guys keep on going to this meme about these people. The, the reality is that Nigeria has an inbuilt wisdom. Can I go back to something else that I, mo- I must point out before I move to the exact question you're asking? Mm. The West has been, has shown themselves in a very bad light. They have talked up article and they have talked up the changing government. And they keep on talking. There was a recent Financial Times, Financial Times, who we obviously always think is a bit objective. There's a recent analysis of Wari that is so inconsistent with reality. It's appalling. So I I think that what is clear is that there was an attempt to connect with Atiku, who is seen as friendly towards the objectives of keeping Nigeria as a rentier economy, where the manipulation of its resources continues. This is... And I I, I can give you pieces of circumstantial evidence that point to this, including the behavior of some of the um, foreign embassies in Nigeria just before the election, and actually the behavior of donor agencies, bilateral and and otherwise, towards this government. So fundamentally, the the conversation, and if you look at the media, whether it's New York Times, Washington Post. um, FT, all of them, economists, all of them were positioning themselves as champions of a close election and uh, champions even of of uh, of a brewery loss. And, and And I'm glad that they've been proven wrong. But let's go to your point. Um, who's Kingsley Mogalu? Who, why would Kingsley Mogalu think he has enough presence? He has enough. Track record to be the president of Nigeria. The presidency of Nigeria is a highly sophisticated uh, um, position. You're either a demagogue, or you're someone like Bua, which is really exceptional. Someone that is driven by integrity and has um, the character to match it. But you can't come to that position from from some kind of notion of exposure to national institutions. It's a highly complex role to play. It requires a high level of engagement across different different elements of our society. It requires also some kind of security understanding. And we saw with um, 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 Jonathan how we can make a fundamental mistake with someone that has no security experience, no security exposure. So. You know, Mogalu and all of them, they need to really, really go back and do their proper work, take projects in their community, take it to state level, engage in national complex issues, resolve some of them before they can call themselves capable. It has nothing to do with age. I think it's a a red area to be talking about older people, younger people. If a younger person has the credibility and the capacity and the exposure, to be the president of Nigeria, so be it. But Nigerians are intelligent enough to know whether you have that capacity or not.
1: Yes, yes, I, I was about to ask Wale uh, So that's the case, isn't it? Nigerians seem to be aware now of who they're voting for, who they want, because, I mean, as Adewale in Lagos said, there was a huge media support, global media support for Atiku. So, so what do you think, what do you say about the Nigerian electorate in terms of going against the grain, more or less?
3: Yeah, well, it depends on where you, where, where you look at the election from. I think those of us who have very deep knowledge and understanding of the Nigerian political terrain, of course, I agree with Wally Ajadi that in the last two weeks to the election, even before it was postponed, and even more so after it was postponed, you could see the gathering of vultures. You know, articles started to ditch out neoliberal policy statement. He said it would sell virtually all the core assets of of you know of the Nigerian state. You know, it, you know, it ditched out things, messages that people in many Western capitals, you know, wanted to hear. Um, suddenly we have the ambassadors and foreign envoys of some countries, you know, more or less aligning themselves even openly. With article, I remember the American ambassador saying, instructing, or wanting to instruct the Nigerian security forces that if they were giving orders, they should not obey the orders. They should not follow the orders. I mean, I mean, he, he said that openly he's on tape. He, he said it openly, which for me, I, I think maybe, in a, you know, in normal circumstances, it should have been declared, you know, uh, personal non grata, you know, on that basis, How can you, as an ambassador? do that. That is, you know, the height of, uh, you know, impunity. But those of us that had very good knowledge of understanding of Nigerian political landscape knew that, you know, Artiku eventually became packaged as a posh, savvy, tech-savvy, Western neoliberal, you know, candidate and everything. So you see, uh, you know, almost every part of the you know global capitalist system drilling towards him, you know, now beginning to warm towards him, seeing him and you know all of that. But we knew that if election counted in Nigeria, if the you know the election was to reflect people's mandate, the Article stood no chance. Many of these folks, Kingsley Mogalu, Obi, Shogore, mm-hmm. they are starting a new brand of politics in quote which i don't think they are going to reap from it yes, right I see. it might take another 20 or th- you know the folks that will emerge will pr- are probably still in high school <laughs> i mean they are starting a new brand of politics which suggests that younger nigerians need to engage with the task of leadership learning leadership walking through the you know through the ranks gaining the experience at a much you know younger age and all of that Many of these guys that are contesting, it was the first time in their lives that they were going around the entire country of Nigeria. Mm -hmm. Many of them felt being on social media, being on Twitter, and all of this was enough to be a president. Now, Nigeria is very, very, very complex. They underestimate the complexity. Nigeria, I mean, there are about 140,000 polling Mm booths. It meant that you needed to, to, for you to even run a successful election you need to have and forty thousand polling agents. <laughs> they, they don't they don't even have a, a tenth of that they even they, in fact they, they will struggle to have one percent of that of polling agent to man you know all of that and you see someone like buhari had gone around the country as a military officer as a young military officer since the 60s he went around he served in different parts of the country so He had a deeper understanding of Nigeria, and that's why sometimes people say, you know, he's not easily flustered. What is Mm -hmm. going to fluster him at his age with the experience he's had? So this is not, again, this is not about ageism. This is not about if you are young, then you have every right to be the president of Nigeria. No, it's about do you have what it requires to be the president of, of Nigeria? And sometimes being the president of Nigeria doesn't mean you have to be the most brilliant articulate, to be able to, you know, with the right diction, speak English in a particular way, use Twitter and use all of this. It's about managing, you know, putting together a team of guys who are going to work with you, who will get the kind of result, the kind of impact you want. That is what the president is all about. But many of these folks thought being young, being tech savvy, having gone to Harvard or all of these Western institutions, you know, being politically correct on a number of issues was enough to get them the president of Nigeria. But I'm sure, you know, they are a lot wiser f- for that now.
1: Yeah, at least you said they've laid the groundwork for the future in Nigeria. That they, they were well, the ones who lead the change. Yes, Adewale uh, in uh, Lagos. You mentioned the, the, the outside interference in the Nigerian election. So what does that say for the democratic process in Africa itself? Well,
2: I think there's an increased sophistication in Africa. And eventually, what you're going to find, and this is a very controversial view, which is exclusively mine, is that um, democracy will be recognized as a process, not as an end in itself. And that Africa would develop... Its own design mm-hmm. of how what works. So, for example, the kinds of winner-takes-all democracy that is currently practiced in Nigeria is not sustainable. It is not sustainable. We have about four hundred different ethnic groups. We have five hundred different languages. We have not become a nation. All the fault lines of division are exposed. To really, really, to really, really lead Nigeria into nationhood, you have to you have to build a bridge. And what I what I what I observe the present government doing is building a bridge with the people who are at the bottom of the pyramid, and actually recognizing that the elite or the so called elite have benefited from uh, 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 the the kinds of corrupt um, control of the of the Commonwealth. So what what's going to happen for many people is that. If we are not careful, buari will be the last leader that, that kind of bridges the gap. If you look at the millions of, of people who don't, who don't bother with Twitter, Facebook, and all of that, who are totally dedicated to his fight against corruption. Yes. And who would find alternative means if there was no buari and would take on all forms of wealth as pro-corrupt people. It's a very, very interesting thing. And if you look at the the youth bulge that is imagined, yes. you recognize fundamentally that Bwari has been a bull in terms of helping the elite, but they don't see it that way. The other thing you have to bear in mind also is that the, the, um, the record of this government yes. to have led the First to have created the first agricultural-led expansion in the final quarter of 2018 is almost unprecedented in Nigeria. If you look at what economic opportunities or economic uh, benefits of of the oil industry, which is lively, I'm um, um, stuck in the elite classes, and 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 all the the kinds of um, ways in which that has been. Assumed will percolate to the ground and never
1: really done. Yes, so, but, but but where's the the communication team to tell the world to tell Nigerians that all these things have been achieved? People choose what they want. We are
2: in a different communication era. People choose what they want to listen to. I'll, I'll illustrate it with a couple of examples that is generally available and accessible to people. So, for example, it's been published in some of the newspapers that, and I know this for a fact. Uh, actually, before the election, let me start with the the the, the, the Nigerian um, 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 utilization of imports. Yes. So, the, the 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 importation and the, the 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 amount spent on importation of wheat has been reduced by ninety six percent. The amount spent on importation of rice has been re- reduced by ninety percent. These are incredibly available facts that people choose to ignore and certain people propagate an alternative um, narrative. Um, Wale just mentioned to you something that was done by many credible um, um, civil society organizations and, uh, and intellectual institutions. They ran parallel figures and were projecting that the Nigerian Election was going to return by about 55 to 56 percent of the vote this is readily available this was largely ignored by the mainstream media and they were talking up crowds for Atiku and talking up crowds and all of those things right so the whatever the communication team does or does not do yes the mm-hmm. days of where you can add people like cows towards a a particular narrative that has disappeared. And in a country as diverse as Nigeria, people would rather believe what's said from the pulpit
0: than
2: from what is said by newspapers anyway. So, one of the powerful stories that that was being projected is that the Fulanis are killing Christians in Nigeria. I walk in this area, it's absolute nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. But that became a very topical issue. Now, whatever the government was going to do to respond to it, the, the response of people is that, what would they say anyway? The president is a full army man and he's telling you all of this stuff. So, what I'm saying to you is that they have their major challenge. Of course, to be fair, they themselves have been completely um, uh, um, unable to handle these challenges with creative um, interventions. Let's be free. let's be, let's be clear about that. They've not been particularly creative. They've been static about what should be the response. They are very old school in their presentation and and, and are expecting people to accept what government states as fact. But I'm fairly sure that that will change fundamentally in this second time. Um, let me quickly add a point because I, I these are things that we can talk about and I'm trying to be as disciplined as possible in my responses, that when you really look at uh, a complex market for information like Nigeria, you're going to have to really, really develop a very adaptive system of sharing information. And one of the things that's rarely ever talked about is how the vice president of the country handled The electioneering compared to how the president handled the electioneering. And one of the most beautiful things is seeing them work as a team. So the president did the large set pieces, going to stadiums and talking to large crowds. The vice president did a completely unique thing. He went into people's homes, randomly selected people. He went to their homes, he went to their communities, he gave them presentations. He engaged with them, and then took the images and videos from that and put it on Instagram and Facebook and and all of that. Yes, and 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 that's a highly sophisticated intervention. It's even more sophisticated than what Obama did in some ways. So, what I'm saying to you is that it's wrong to lump this thing into one set of responses or whatever. However, however. The ethnic divisions and the religious divisions of Nigeria call us fundamentally how people perceive information and how people utilize information.
0: You're listening to ALC Pan-African Radio Discussion Program. Stay tuned.
1: Welcome back uh, to Discussion Program. My name is Desmond Davis. Uh, you're listening to Adewali Adaji, a creative consultant and leadership expert in Lagos, and Dr. Wale Ismail, who is Senior Research Fellow at the ALC. Uh, but, Wale uh, Ismail, do you think that the, the federal nature of Nigeria itself has an impact on national politics?
3: Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, but before I get into that, the integrity of how Nigeria's uh, federal structure shapes, you know, what comes out as yeah. national politics as, as well as policy choices, uh, there was something I wanted to piggyback on from what uh, Wale Ajadi said. And I wanted to make this point about the, you know, the last election. I'm a firm believer that the West, as we know it, the global north, has stopped evolving. Their democratic experiment has stalled, if not mutated, you know, even in certain instances, has regressed. You know, what tells you that you see what's going on with Brexit Yes, some people feel it's part of the beauty of democracy and everything. You look at what is going on in America, you know, and the rest. But they have stopped evolving Mm -hmm. in terms of their democratic uh, experiment. Africa and many parts of the other developing world where there are ongoing democratic evolutions, people are evolving different strands, different, you know, varieties of democratic, you know, experiment. Um, and what you find, what you see in the context of Nigeria is part of that de- you know, democratic evolution. So Nigeria and many other African countries as imperfect as their democratic experiences, and I don't know of any democratic experience that is perfect anyway, but you know, they are yeah. constantly evolving, constantly trying to you know, move to the next level, you know, find systems and processes that work for them, for their people, you know, that is adaptable to their, you know, their own um, realities. And for me, that is something that needs to be commended. You know, sometimes when I see some of the commentary about the last election, you know, you see a particular one notorious congressman in America, you know, casting all manner of, you know, doubt and, you know, rubbishing, you know, what has just taken place in Nigeria, like in many, you know, other African countries. Um, Then you begin to wonder, are we still in the dark ages when Africa's democratic experiment is authenticated or legitimized in Western capitals or by particular, you know, Western individuals? I think Africa is slowly you know, gone through, you know, gone past that stage. What we have increasing, and Nigeria's experiment uh, documents is, you know, yes, there will be bumps along the way, but progress has been made. And we have to see the last election in Nigeria as a very clear, you know, instance of that progress. What won the election for Buari was the fact that he set out an agenda to be in the service of the masses as opposed to the elite of Nigeria. He went on a pro-masses policy platform. Many, 70% of the policies that were implemented under him in the last three and a half years, they produced qualitative, positive impact in large, large part on masses, especially those in the rural areas. So the agricultural revolution that Wale Jari was talking about You know, you had farmers going out of their way Mm -hmm. trying to make sure that Bwari returns because they knew it was in their interest. This is the first time a sitting president took interest in their affairs, took interest in trying to, you know, assist them to do their job, you know, to take things to the next level. Mm. Bwari's agricultural revolution program has produced millionaires, Mm. not by corrupt enrichment, but people just, you know, by dint of hard work because the government was there to provide the Navy support in terms of fertilizer, in terms of access to, you know, mechanized, you know, farming equipment and all. You know, the government did so much. So it's producing a result in terms of Nigeria's, you know, import bill. We can see Nigeria's import bill. How, you know, some of the statistics are, you know, he's talked about. But the other, f- the flip side of it is Nigeria's export bill too has been growing. Export of agricultural products has been growing quite steadily in the last three years. This is a massive transformation of trying to reorder you know Nigeria's you know economic structure that folks in the mainstream media controlled by elite who are part of the elite conspiracy against a government that is targeting to improving the lives of masses. They are, that's why they control the mainstream media that is why many of these stories will never make it to the mainstream media but those who know Nigeria, who follow Nigeria quite clearly, they can see they know the impact of all of this that is why it is not a surprise that, you know, in fact I feel that Burari should have, you know if they are, you know, taking care of certain elements of the campaign he should have easily scored you know up to 20 million votes, but that is another debate for another day uh, in terms of the You know,
1: the federal nature.
3: Yeah, the federal nature of Nigeria. Yeah, uh, many people underestimate how complex Nigeria is by virtue of its population. You know, dynamics. You know, one hundred eighty-one, ninety million, tending towards two hundred, by virtue of its social composition. You know, groups and you know all of that, different languages and all of that, and also you know the fact that the federal structure meant Nigeria. Nigeria has three levels of governance, the federal, the state, and local. And the dynamic has oscillated, you know. But what we've seen in the, during the Bari years is the f- a deliberate attempt by the central government to play its role as constitutional as, you know, as possible. In the past, we've had cases where a sitting president like Obasanjo decided that he would not give the federal allocation money. To certain state or certain local yes. government because of, you know, some very weird, you know, you know reason, including a clear disobedience to, you know, to a, you know, to the Supreme Court. But in terms of complexity, there, you know, there is the written side, and then there is the unwritten, you know, side. In terms of the rules of politics, in terms of sharing of power and all of that. There are certain elements that are written into the Constitution to guarantee inclusiveness of every of the 36 federating units. For example, the Federal Executive Council to each state must have a representative. Those are written stuff. Each state must have a Senate, you know, three senators and a stated number of, you know, House of reps So those are written stuff. But they are also unwritten element of Nigeria's politics and, you know, uh, ways through which you know decision making you know is arrived at, how power is configured, and all of that you know i don 't want to go too deep into yeah. it, but it's just to say that whatever you see as manifestations of policies or appointment or choices made by the federal government tends to reflect you know a a dynamic interaction between what is written and the unofficial in most cases. Issues around balancing ethnic and religious sensitivities are part of the unwritten you know uh, component of that uh, uh, federal system, but we don 't give Nigeria the credit it deserves for managing the complexity of that country. Many at times people uh, are quite dismissive of some of the progress that has been made in constitutional engineering in constitutional experiment. Uh, in Nigeria in the last 50 years. Many people don't appreciate, you know, the progress that has been made in Nigeria.
1: Yeah, Adewale in uh, Lagos, one final question. When do you see ethnicity and religion disappearing from uh, elections in Nigeria? Because you, in an article, said that by 2023, uh, things might be different from this election. Well,
2: firstly, I don't want ethnicity to disappear from Nigerian politics. I want it to be positively utilised for national development. I certainly want to raise the point with you that Nigeria has evolved a highly sophisticated and potentially um, um, groundbreaking approach to itself, that if he has the confidence and stops listening to both some of his so-called citizens and many of the international commentators, what would emerge would actually elevate the rest of Africa immensely. And what I mean by that is that because of its diversity, Nigeria is imbued with a certain space of a complexity of cultures, a complementarity of problem solving and solutions, and a rich library of wisdom that have been evolved over generations. And if you look at the trajectory of the country in the past 60 or more, 60, well, then in Nigeria is over 60 now, um, in this past few years. Is it over 60? I think it's in, um, more about 50, 50, 58 or something. Anyway, yes. Um, what you have seen, if you look at the data, is a country that is gradually evolving. It is a very, very unique thing, In the in possibly with the exception of Indonesia and possibly China. Well, China has been a country for, for hundreds of years. It is one of the few countries that are not um, particularly um, natural evolutions of the people, but has been created by human imagination and purpose that has been able to grow Gradually, out of over 100 million people. Nigeria is about 200 million people. And as far as the the age of the country as an independent country, it's still a, it's a baby. It's largely a baby. How long has Britain been going that Scotland wants to peel off from Britain that Britain is having a problem with Brexit in the manner in which it's doing? You know? How long has the United States been going? If you go and go back to the history of the United States, you actually find out that the the the, the, um, the, um, the precedents that made a difference in the United States often were were demagog- demagogic in their use, and the United States used slavery to build this foundation. What has Nigeria done in any way remotely like that so What I'm saying in essence is that there is a lot of reasons to see if Nigerians use the National Orientation Agency and all of those things to develop a sophisticated approach to its diversity. That its future will be immensely bright. But right now, it's dealing with people, mostly politicians and the Acolytes internationally who are driving wedge and using weapons to create conflict among the people. And who are giving this Wrong illusion that if parts of the country breaks away, they will have a successful innings with the rest of the world. It's it's really really wrong, and and so what what I think I want to say to you is um, about the future of Nigeria and its capacity is that over the next um, thirty or forty years, at least, if Nigerians choose to dream rather than dance to the nightmares that are constructed by these horror film directors that are telling him about his future will be. If we have the capacity or we use the capacity to create an a, a, a economy, which Gwari is trying to do, that is focused on creativity, that's focused on productivity, that rewards that work rather than than, than encourage people to be to be middlemen, and brokers of relationship for the elites, we would see the true giant of Africa emerge. And let me illustrate that with some 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 information that you need to look at. Firstly, I talked about the the um, agri expansion and the agri um, um, led recovery. Secondly, the the government's decision to to do infrastructure development in spite of a tight economy and focus on things like the railways that would actually be railways that don't carry just exports and and unprocessed goods. Thirdly, the government's investment in the bottom of the pyramid, something sophisticated is happening in that space because if you look at things like trader money and all of that, is designed to move about sixty percent of the Nigerian com- um, economy that is in the informal sector into the formal sector. That means that not only would Nigeria be number one in Africa, be one of the top twenty largest economies in the world by pi- size of GDP. It's highly sophisticated. That's why it's very damning when, when the Financial Times says where well, has no economic policy. It's absolute balderdash. It's a it's a ve- it's a it's a retrograde. Uh, um, thing to say it 's highly unsophisticated and discreditable, and so it is these kinds of things that gives the, the the people at the bottom at the bottom a chance to evolve into the middle classes that starts to move the informal sector into the formal space that starts to um, um, engage the creativity of Nigerians. More powerfully, these are the things. These are the things that gives us cause to be excited. And can I add one final thing? Um, and this is about young people. Tomorrow, I've been asked to speak to some young politicians. And and this is about the youth bulge and and the ramifications. But you see, the opportunity that they have. To create, a legacy, <coughs> me, to create a legacy, to create a legacy, to leverage the marketplace mm-hmm. that Nigeria has of over 200 million people, to feed their nation, to create um, opportunities for future generations is so immense. I don't think there's many countries in the world that can rival those opportunities. So what I'm saying to you in essence is that we are at the cusp of something fundamentally interesting for Nigeria. So long, so long as we stop listening to these um, um, pessimists that we dare to dream, we are disciplined to apply our creativity to those dreams. And we are restrained and patient in making sure that we can create alternative realities for ourselves. And I think ethnicity is at the heart of that. If you look at the the Nollywood films and the creativity that is emerging when people create things on their culture, look at the music industry, and that is going to be soon followed by the, 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 um, the, the cuisine of Nigeria. And it will soon be followed by the clothing of Nigeria The federal government has just introduced a new policy that reduces any importation of fabrics. And so you're going to start to see the culture of Nigeria becoming the backbone of economic expansion. Then if you add to that the fact that it has an internal market that is looking to eat every day, that it has a diaspora that is willing to buy its own food, its own clothes and all of that. And if you then overlay that with the with the increasing intervention in um, digital technology, especially because it allows the country to interact more powerfully together, you are going to see something really special.
1: Adola Adaji, consultant and leadership expert in Lagos, and Dr. Wally is my senior research fellow at the LSE in London. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you for listening to the discussion program on the ALC Pan-African Radio. For this and other programs, please visit our website at alcpanafricanradio.com.